Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Janine Hamner-Holman, who is an internationally recognized speaker, author, and expert on conscious leadership, neurobiology, and what it takes to attract and retain world-class talent. Janine, how you doing? Uh, thanks, Jimmy. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. And we like to jump right in. So if you could start great. with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun. That'd be great. So I'm going to start with what I like to do for fun. My favorite thing to do for fun is scuba diving. Um, I grew up uh, in the Northeast in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts, and water has always been my happy place, my source of Uh, energy and rejuvenation. I love the sound and the movement. Um, And then I moved out here to Southern California. And part of what I love about the beach here is everybody is at the beach. Like folks who've never seen the water before and aren't really sure what to do and the dogs running around and the women in full saris and the men jumping into the water in their clothes and the naked babies, like all the colors, all the shapes, the women in bikinis who, you know, I, <laughs> I, I think like, really? <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, I'm 57 and I'm not rocking a bikini anymore. I'm not sure that's the best look, but they're all there and they're all loving it and, and in it together. And I, I love that. So that's, um, that's my favorite and, and scuba diving allows me to get in the ocean and, it's as close, I, I just said, I'm 57. I'm obviously a woman who does not have a problem with her age. I am not gonna be an astronaut and I've had to come <laughs> to terms with that reality. Um, and it's as close to being an astronaut as I'm ever gonna get. When you're really dialed in scuba diving, you are entirely weightless. And so you can get like right up to something and then bend your little finger and just go flying backwards. It's, and and being able to be in that environment, which is more than half of the planet and get to explore it. I just, I just love it. It makes me very happy. When I'm not doing that, um, which is, Unfortunately, most of the time, I don't get to scuba dive. Um, What I do professionally is I am what's called an organizational development consultant. And what that means is that I work inside of organizations where maybe there's some mischief going on, maybe there's some managers 
who like most managers have never really been trained how to be a manager. And so there can be some mischief or at the other end, like really toxic stuff that can happen. Um, it may be an organization that has realized that they need to do something authentic around diversity. It may be an organization that is realizing that their employee experience actually matters and that to have great customer retention, they actually need to worry about their employees more. Um, so anything that is about organizational culture and people's experience working inside of organizations, that's what I do. I love it. I love it. This is a reach for sure. <laughs> you happen to know who John Kello is. John Kello. I don't think I do. Gotcha. Edify me. He's in organizational development, professional, has his own consulting practice, and he's also a professor at Davidson College, which happens to be where I went to college, and he was my organizational development professor. Awesome. How does he spell his last name? Is it B-E-L-L-O-W? No, Kello. K-E-L-L-O. K-E-L-L-O. Like Jello, but with a K. Yes. I love it. And Davidson, like in uh, outside of North Carolina, outside of Charlotte? Yep, outside of Charlotte. Very cool. Um, part of my family is, is originally from North Carolina, so I've spent, spent some time in that part of the world. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I was just, I was just curious, you know, small world, maybe you guys. Yes, it, it is a small world. Well, I would <laughs> love to connect with him. John, if you're listening, I'd love to connect. There we go. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Janine, let's hear a little bit more about your motivation. What gets you up and keeps you going every day? <sighs> May I tell you a story as an answer to that question? Absolutely. All right. So back in the day, which for me was in the mid-1980s, I had just graduated from college and I had a job as a community organizer, I was working in the Bed-Stuy community of Brooklyn, New York, which was a rough and tumble place back then. Um, it's a much gentrified place now, but back then it was, um, it's where most deaf came from and Biggie Smalls came from. There's a lot of gangs, a lot of drugs, and of course, a lot of really good people trying to make ends meet. And um, I had was working on a project to make public schools better. And there was this one day where I was walking down the street and there were a group of uh, young black men who were hanging out on a stoop. And this was a super common sight in those days because unemployment among young black men in that neighborhood was over 50%. And so there were, right, wow. So there were just a lot of guys hanging out all the time and you could never tell what they were up to. Like maybe they were waiting for a younger sibling to come home from school. Maybe they were just kicking it, hanging out on the stoop. Maybe they were selling drugs. Maybe they were a gang lookout. Like you, you could never really tell what was going on. And so one of these guys came down and he was big and he said to me, what are you doing here? Why do you have a clipboard? Are you a social worker? And I was like 23 and I said, um, no, I'm actually a community organizer and I'm working on making public schools better. 
And his stamp of approval was to tell me to go to Woolworths, which doesn't exist anymore, but was kind of like dollar store meets Walmart and um, to get a gold band ring um, or to get any kind of band ring and get gold nail polish and paint it gold. And he said, if people think you're married, they will uh, mess with me less. His, his actual word was a little bit more colorful than that, but I don't know if I can use colorful language. So, um, sorry. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so, and I actually still have that band in my jewelry box. Um, and then a couple of weeks later, I was in a public school and cause that's what I was working on. And this one public school in maybe like the toughest part of this neighborhood. And it was raining that day and there was water coming in the ceiling and there were kids running around and they had run out of classroom space and they had a first grade class sitting in the hallway and the teacher had put the ABCs up above the door jam. And I thought, if I were five and sitting in a hall trying to learn how to read with kids running around and rain coming in the ceiling, like where would, what would the trajectory of my life had been like? And even more than that, I was really clear this would never have happened if the kids in that school were white. And it was one of the first times in my life that I came like right up against systemic racism. And so I ended up spending the next 19 years of my life working for nonprofit organizations, really working to make, um, make systemic change happen. And so then when I started my own business about six years ago, that's the thing that I am the most interested in is why is this happening and how can we change it? And so when an organization comes to me and they say, we need to do something around diversity or we have a problem with one or two uh, organizational managers who, I don't, I don't really know if they're toxic. And if somebody says that, you know, they're toxic, but like, they say, I don't really know if they're toxic, but I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, there's not some not great stuff going on. Like, okay, great. How is it that, that, like, how long has this been going on? And how is it that it has been allowed to continue? And so, like, I, I have an ability, I wish I knew why, but I have an ability to ask people hard questions and get real answers and then dig even further. And so that's what gets me up every day is that, so my mission, which I will not achieve in my lifetime, but my mission is to have the world of work be one in which everyone can thrive. And to get as close to that as I can possibly get, I've got to deal with things at the root level and I've got to have as big a microphone and a platform as I can find, which was part of why I was excited to be with you here today, 
um, to get to reach as many people as we can. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, that is fantastic to hear. And I love your heart for people. I love your heart for, um, you know, systemic racism, systemic issues, because let's be real, it's not just racism, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, exactly. Systemic issues. And that's one thing that I've noticed coming into the world. I really thought money was like the driving factor. And Mm -hmm. in part it is, but more so it's like people's attention and being able to get their attention and like, you know, speak in a way that like will move their heart. And if you could move the heart of, you know, everybody who's kind of grassroots right. towards the solution, we'll move towards it a lot faster. Yep. And it's, it's actually part of why I love telling stories. Um, you know, you know, you spent at least a little time in the South. I don't know where you're originally from. Um, and it's one of the things that people from, uh, there's a tradition of people from the South who are really good storytellers. And um, when I was originally being trained as a community organizer, I was trained by the same guy who trained Cesar Chavez. And uh, his name is Fred Ross. And his, uh, he actually wrote this, this little like pamphlet uh, called Axioms for Organizers. And I don't even know if you can still get it, but it, it was filled with all of these brilliant little nuggets. And one of his brilliant sayings is forget the statistics, forget the numbers, tell people the story of what brought you to the cause. Because story is, you know, story, you know a little bit about neurobiology. Story is what connects in our brains. Story is what gets us hooked. Story is what moves us into action. It moves our pocketbooks. It moves our um, time. It, it's what gets us refocused and reprioritized. And so I love the power of telling stories to motivate people into action. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's a reason we as a human race have been telling stories for so long. Right? (laughs) Awesome. Well, I love that. Let's hear a little bit more about any other dreams or goals you have. So we know you want to have the world of work be one in which everyone can thrive. Are there any other kind of visions for your life or company that you want to touch on? Hmm. Well, I haven't talked about this yet publicly. So this is sort of interesting that I'm choosing to do this. Um, I just had an opportunity to, I was the final keynote speaker at the US Navy's first conference on diversity, which was an amazing honor. And before that, I had been part of a roundtable of people who are practitioners working on diversity. And I have, I, I had been toying with the idea before those two experiences And they both catalyzed me into realizing that I need to create an organization and I've got a group, I've got a really great group of um, men and women from different backgrounds and different races and ethnicities and ages um, who are gonna do it with me. And it's gonna be a place for practitioners who are doing work around diversity 
to be able to come together and strategize, look at best practices, be able to talk about things that are really hard. I mean, the, this work is hard. And if you're, if you are part of a privileged group or a group that has access to privilege, it is hard to find your place in this movement. It is hard to sort of fight for your place to stand among people who have always had to fight for their voice and a place to stand. And if you are part of a group of people who have been marginalized, it can bring up lots of hard feelings and hard experiences and times when, um, when you were made to feel less than. And so like, no matter who we are, engaging in work around diversity and, and all of the other challenges, you know, toxic organizations. And um, I mean, it's just, it's hard. And so to have a place where people can come together and, um, and share those stories and be seen and heard and strategize and network and figure out like best practices and workshop stuff together. I mean, people are always coming up with ideas about what if we did this or what if we did that? Like, and, and so I'm gonna create, I'm gonna create a new organization cause I don't have enough to do. Um, and I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited about the possibility and the potential. Um, there are a couple of other organizations who are doing things kind of similar, but nobody's really doing, nobody's creating this space. Um, so that's, that's my new dream. I love it. I love it. So the idea behind this organization is practitioners who are doing work around diversity come together. Is it kind of like a large mastermind for those practitioners to both seek support, bounce ideas off of each other and execute together? Yep. I love it. I love it. I guess my follow-up question is, when you say practitioners, is that just organizational development people? Is it marketers? Like, is it everybody in diversity? I, well, so I'm still in the process of creating it. So I'm open to input. Um, so I'm, Tim, Timmy, I'm open to your input. Plus I'm open to the input of your listeners. Um, y'all can find me the easiest places on LinkedIn. Um, and what I'm thinking right now is that it's a membership-based organization. If you're an individual practitioner, it's pretty cheap. If you work for Starbucks, it's significantly more expensive. Um, and it is, I want it to be a big tent. I also want it to be, um, I want it, I want you have, I want you either to have to be invited or to do an application. I don't want it to be everybody gets to join, even though I want the hurdles, like there, there is an organization which I think is doing really good work and it is all chief diversity officers of fortune 200 and bigger companies. Like that's fine, but I couldn't join as somebody who's doing work with lots of different companies. Um, and 
many companies are not Fortune 200 companies. Most companies are not Fortune 200 companies. And I think that that's really where a lot of the interesting work and trying out new things is happening, is in the smaller companies. And so I really, I, I also want um, non-governmental organizations and nonprofits and agencies. And, you know, if there's elected officials who really want to get in the trenches around it, um, I want it to be, I want it to be broad. Um, and I want it, I also really want it to be a safe place. So it was one of the things that was really amazing about, so my friend Rodney Flowers, uh, who works for a part of the Navy called Naval X, which I didn't even know existed. Um, and their mission is really to help the Navy be the very best that it can. And to, um, they're very focused on organizational culture. I didn't even know that Navy had such a thing. Um, and that was the part of the Navy that, that organized this. So uh, my buddy Rodney organized this summit and, and he's actually gonna be one of the people who's participating, um, I think, I hope, uh, in the formation of, of this new organization with me. And <laughs> I just totally lost my chain of thought. Um, <laughs> you know, you got to love it. Um, Talking about what the organization was going to be, who was going to be included in it. And then you went to the Navy story to, I don't know quite where you were going with it. Ringing any bells? Oh, damn. I don't, I don't know. Fudge. <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> In any event, I think it's going to be a really cool organization. And oh, and I'm and I'm very open to, um, you know, who gets to participate, how it gets to be structured. Um, oh, that's see. Um, so the thing that was amazing about this conference that uh, that Rodney created is that he created a very safe container. Uh, so that everyone who was attending the summit and, you know, there were people who were participating uh, online and people really felt safe to talk about their fears and their dreams and their hopes and, you know, what gets in the way and what it's like to be a person of color doing this work, what it's like to be, um, there we go. Good. Uh, what it's like to be a person of color doing this work, what it's like to be uh, a person in a white presenting body doing this work, what it's like to be an able-bodied person doing this work, a disabled person doing this work, um, a gay person doing this work, you know, all, all of the different um, permutations around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so, it's very important to me that this organization have a container with integrity, have a safe space where people can come, tell the truth, speak truth to power if that's what, what's needed, create good trouble, um, and, that, and that, that this is a place that honors 
uh, lived experiences and, and that is also really willing to explore, like there's all of this anger, um, which is completely understandable and totally justified. And like black women are pissed at white women in general, because white women in general have not stood up enough for our uh, sisters of color in the workplace. And to both honor that and, and, and apologize for that. And, um, you know, there's, a, there's an interesting frame around when we are in partnership together, I do something, Timmy, that really hurts you. So I say, I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry I did that thing. I didn't mean to. I apologize. I own it. And then there's an interesting construct around, I own the fact that my family historically is from the South. As I, said, I, as I said, I was born in New Orleans, Louisiana. I grew up in Cambridge, Massachusetts. My mom's from North Carolina. My dad's from Texas um, and Virginia. And like, did my family own slaves? I have no idea. And my gut says probably. And so I get to own that and apologize for that, even though like, I didn't do anything and my life has been spent working to change the experience of marginalized communities to have marginalized communities not be marginalized anymore that's what my life has been about and i still carry that lineage and so i mean there's a really interesting space where i think we can stand as humans where we own things that, that we did not create, that we did not condone, and yet they're part of our past and, and create some healing and then create some grace for each other. And, you know, because ultimately for us to all move forward there's real pain that we need to figure out together. How do we heal and then uplift? You know, how do, how do we, how do we honor the stuff that's just horrible in our collective past and then move forward together. And, and so that's part of what, part of what I'm about is part of what I want this organization to be about is creating those places where we can, we can grapple with that and, and start to figure out how do, how, how do we make that happen? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. There are two things that I thought of while you were talking that I want to mention to you. Please. One is Genius Network. Huh. 
I think it's kind of, it's really not that similar to what you're trying to build, but it's a similar like connection of people who are really trying to change the world. And mm-hmm. it, it's really focused on entrepreneurs who are trying to change the world. So minor differences, but similar community. Yeah. And so I don't know if that would- I love it. Sure. Career. And then I wanted to talk about extreme ownership because you mentioned it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a book that I have not read. So maybe I'm getting a little bit of it wrong, but I like the concept of extreme ownership. Like no matter what happens, like you are here in this moment now and you get to own everything up to this point to change everything that's to come. Yeah. And so the whole idea of my family owned slaves, owning that, even if you don't like feel guilty or whatever, ownership just gives power back to like you guys in the present. Right. So if you can own everything that is going on with you and everything that has gone on with you, it's easier to take that step forward because you feel empowered to do so. Right. Right. This is something I can't change. So, um, so you know, the possibility that my family owned slaves, I, I, I don't know, but you know, there's all these records that say that we were farmers in the 17 and 1800s in Virginia. That to me means probably we own slaves, um, and you know, maybe we were sharecroppers. I, I don't know. Um, but but the possibility of it lives for me like something to be ashamed of. And everywhere where we have shame, we have no power. And so I love what you're pointing to that by owning it, by giving it words, by saying, yes, this is, this is possible. And And I, and I own that and I, for everyone who was hurt by anything that anyone in my family did, generations before I was born, I am sorry. I am sorry for any pain, any mistreatment, any belittling any, you know, and and you could just keep going down that road of looking for what might there be there, what might be there for me to, for me to own, for me to claim, and then for me to release. Mm. Because, you know, all, all of the places that we feel shame about we, we can't also at the same time have power about them. And so, you know, that's, that's part, that's one of my many reasons for getting clear that I really, I, I feel called um, to start this organization is because I feel like there, there has to be that place for these conversations, this work to happen um, among practitioners so that then we can go do this work with our with our organizations, with our companies, with our clients, with our with our whoever. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Well, awesome. Are there any other dreams or goals that you want to chat about? <laughs> well, I really want to um, 
you know, back to scuba diving, I really want to dive the Great Barrier Reef. Um, and I really want to go to the Maldives. Um, I'm afraid that the Maldives are actually going to go away. Um, it is one of the places in, um, in danger because of global climate change. Um, and it may be, you know, they, they may literally go away. They may be underwater in my lifetime. Um, and I'm 57, you know, my lifetime is not that much longer anymore, uh, which is sort of terrifying and wacky to think about because I still feel like I'm in my 20s. Um, and so, you know, there, there are these places that I want to see. And one of the reasons, one of the many reasons uh, that I decided to also become a keynote speaker is because it does give me an opportunity to get to, to some really neat places um, on this big planet. And uh, so that's, that's a different kind of dream. Absolutely. There we go. I love it. Well, if there were one or two people that you can meet right now, and this could be a specific person or a type of person, and they would really help you take the next step towards making the world of work be one in which everyone can thrive or creating your organization, mm -hmm. who would they be and how would they help you? So um, I'm going to go, well, so back to John Kello. If you're out there, please connect with me. I would love, I would love to connect with him. And, um, and then it's going to be like types of people. It's going to be, you know, if there are organizations and organizational leaders, and I want to take a half a second, a little more than that, to, um, to distinguish an organizational leader, what I mean when I say organizational leader. So I was talking the other day with a hospital CEO, and he was talking about walking his hospital, and he ran into two gentlemen whose job was to clean the floor. And he said to one of them, so what do you do? And he said, I clean the floor. And the CEO said, thank you so much for your work. It's, it's very important. And then he came across the other gentleman and said, what do you do? And he said, my job is to have the floors shine so that my patients heal faster. That gentleman is an organizational leader. And so it does not matter to me what your job title is, what your position is, how much you get paid. Leadership is a choice. Leadership is I am stepping into, I am stepping up to, I am owning my power. I am taking my place as a leader. And so if there are leaders who are out there who are um, pr practitioners in the world of diversity uh, and you wanna engage with me around this, I would love to do that. Um, if there are uh, organizational CEOs who are out there who are listening and like, hmm, I think I might have some stuff going on in my organization. This might be a good time to explore it. And let me tell you, with the Great Recession, the, the struggle and the... <laughs> I was going to say the war for talent, I, especially with what's happening right now in the world. I'm going to stick, stay away from that phrase. But, you know, the, the challenge in finding the right people to join organizations right now 
and the challenge in keeping the best people in organizations right now. The key to that has nothing to do with salary and it has nothing to do with benefits. It's all about employee experience. It is all about people feeling like the gentleman whose job is to make the floors shine so that his patients heal faster. It is helping your people understand what the mission is of your organization, how it's making the world a better place and how their role connects to what it is that you're up to. And that's my favorite thing to do with organizations is to help them figure that out and help them communicate that powerfully to their people. Because then their people are super excited to come to work. Their people are entirely engaged in the mission and the work of the organization. And that's what keeps people around. And that's what translates into bottom line success. And so, you know, any of those people who are out there who are thinking like, hmm, might be time for an organizational tune up. Um, I would love to talk to you. And if I'm not the right person to help you, I have lots of colleagues who I can refer. Um, or, and if you're looking for a keynote speaker, um, I speak on all of the things that we've been talking about. And I'm actually speaking at a, a human resources conference in May um, about organizational wellness that has nothing to do with the health of the organization, but the health of its people and how that's become an organizational priority. I love so. it. There we go. There we go. Well, we're running a bit short on time. So I'm going to skip a couple questions and go right down to the action step. What cool. is one action step that you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to meet those people? Uh, so the things that, that I do is, um, I'm super active on LinkedIn. Um, and I also have a podcast, uh, called the cost of not paying attention. And in that podcast, I'm talking about all of the things that we're not paying attention to in the world of work. I also, if you are watching us, as opposed to just listening to us, um, you'll notice a bookcase behind me. I'm a huge fan of uh, professional development and personal development and the connection between those two things and how, um, you know, some organizations are really good at helping you figure out what's the next thing you need to learn to be great at your job. Many organizations aren't great at that. Very few organizations are really good at what's the next thing you need to master to be a great human. And so I am on a, on a lifelong quest uh, around that. And I really love, you know, for, for my listening audience, for my podcast, um, having the opportunity to to challenge people to read things that are a little outside their comfort zone or that are about something that they don't know anything about or written by somebody who has a very different background from them. Um, so I would certainly uh, encourage your listeners to, uh, to take on some of those things. And definitely, um, please reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'd love to, I'd love to connect. Okay, well, now we have to backtrack a little bit because I skipped this question, but I have to ask it now. 
okay, go. favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. <laughs> um, that is a super hard question. I have lots of favorites. Maybe the book um, you recommend or gift the most. If the book that I have been recommending and gifting the most recently um, is Adam Grant's Think Again. So Adam Grant is an organizational psychologist um, and the book Think Again is really about why humans are so reticent to rethink our thinking about things and how we can encourage our brains to be willing to rethink something and then what the opportunities are on the other side of that. So I, I love the way um, he looks at the world. I also adore anything by Brene Brown. Gotcha. Gotcha. There we go. I'm gonna have to read that book by Adam Grant because I'm really big oh, on, I, I feel like there's a very, I like to explain life in simple terms because I'm a simple mm -hmm. guy. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't buy that for a hot minute. But go <laughs> <ahead>. <laughs> I, I like to, I like to look at, you know, when I'm doing self-development, personal development. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I have my beliefs, I have my thoughts, I have my feelings, I have my actions, and then I have my results. And it's all yeah. kind of a continuum, like beliefs fuel my thoughts, which fuel my feelings, which fuel my actions, which fuel my results. And I really like focusing on changing thoughts and actions because they're very tangible. Like I can very much like do this action, think this thought, and then you do feel differently and do that consistently, you believe different things. Yeah. So I think again is an intriguing book. I'm adding it to the list. Awesome. I highly recommend it. There we go. Well, I have one last question for you before we sign off. Bring it. So you know how there are people on the planet who have a really fixed mindset. They're not willing to accept help. They're not willing to accept change. Sometimes they'll live their whole life like that. And sometimes they'll die like that, unfortunately. Other times they'll make that switch in their life to more of a growth mindset willing to accept help and willing to accept change. In mm -hmm. your opinion, what is the catalyst that causes that change? That is a brilliant question. And I love it. I would posit that there's probably not one thing and that it is that the catalyst is something outside of our comfort zone, whether it is, so um, I have a friend whose name is Tim, um, who has a great, uh, a great talk where he's talking about um, living life outside of our comfort zone. And he has a line, which is how many peak experiences have you ever had inside your comfort zone? And I would posit that the answer to that question for everybody is zero. We don't grow. We don't learn. We don't manifest new things when we are, you know, living at 72 degrees and sunny. Um, things need to get a little uncomfortable. And, you know, sometimes it is something like meeting somebody new. Sometimes it is something like a television show. You know, I think the impact that Will and Grace had to normalize gay people was enormous. Sometimes it's 
a next door neighbor. Sometimes it's finding out that, um, that somebody that you know and love is very different from who you thought they were. And now, now you get to think again, now you get to reevaluate. Now you get to, um, realign. And so I think that for most people, it takes something, something human um, has come into your life and helped you realize um, that the way that you thought about things in, in that fixed way, as all humans are, all people are, all women are, all people who are, you know, whatever, all dogs are, all pit bulls are, um, you know, any of those things that we have as fixed or I'm bad at math, you know, any of the things that we have as fixed, we have some sort of an experience with another human being that, that blows open a new possibility. I love it. I love it. There we go. Something outside of your comfort zone, probably with another human being that opens your mind. Awesome. Amen. Well, Janine, is there anything else you want to chat about before we sign off? Ah, this is, this has been great. Thank you, Timmy. And thank you for the work that you are doing, um, helping people, you know, live their dreams, helping people live their best life, helping people, um, you know, think, think again, think about things, um, in a new way that may not have occurred to them before. And, um, and I love your, your energy and your passion and um, your beingness. <laughs> thank you so much. I really yeah. appreciate that. Awesome. Well, Janine, thank you for coming on the show. It's been my honor. Yes. And as, oh, before that, if you guys loved what you heard from Janine and you want to get in touch with her, make sure to hit her up on LinkedIn. Other ways to contact her will be in the show notes. Also, if you happen to know any organizational leaders or somebody who needs a keynote speaker slash an organizational tune-up, hit Janine up, make that connection. Let's make things happen. Also, I will do the um, connection to John Kello because I know him. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I will do that for you. Also, if you want to go to the Maldives with her, email her. <laughs> Please, let's plan a trip. <laughs> there we go. There we go. And guys, as we always ask, send this podcast to one to three people you know need to hear this message. Shoot us a five star review on iTunes and we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one on one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day. <laughs>